Father, we thank you for the blessings of life. And for the blessing of your flesh and your blood for us. That indeed you died for us, but we rejoice that you are risen. And we long for the day when you will come again. I pray that you use these words uh, today to speak to us. That you would allow us to see your glory. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. I want to remind you again, we are in the middle of uh, a series in the time of Lent where we are looking at uh, the Passover from Exodus 12 and uh, the Lord's Supper. And then what does that have to do with us today? I want to read again that passage from Exodus 12 and remind us of what we've been talking about. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to the father's households, a lamb for each household. Now if a household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but roasted, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it until morning, and whatever is left of it until morning you shall burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you in the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And then down to verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and the two doorposts and none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. And when you enter the land which the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall observe this rite. And when your children say to you, what does this rite mean to you? You shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared our homes. And the people bowed low and worshipped. Again, we have been talking about um, the Passover and looking at six ideas that are in common with the Passover but also the Lord's Supper. And we have talked about that it is a, a time of new beginnings both for the nation of Israel but also for uh, a people of God that he called them to himself. There's an emphasis on family both in the Passover as they ate together as a family but also as Jesus redefined what family was as those who would follow him. So we talked about last week it required preparation 
specifically for us, that preparation is uh, prayer. This morning we're talking about centered around sacrifice, and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together as we talk about uh, what that means. And then the next two weeks that it is a call to remember, and then it required repetition. Um, there were a lot of things that had to take place in Exodus 12 for the Passover. Uh, in addition to the lamb, there was preparation of other parts of a meal. Uh, there was the preparation of just getting ready to leave. There was asking their neighbors for stuff, as we talked about uh, last week. But all the other aspects aside, the Passover centered around a sacrifice. Centered around a sacrifice of a lamb. I want you to put yourself in the parent's shoes, or maybe a sibling's shoes, or maybe for those of you who are first born in here, I want you to put yourself in your own shoes for a moment, and you're now not in Andrews, North Carolina, you're sitting around a table uh, at night, and your mom and dad have prepared this lamb, and there's this elaborate celebration that they're doing that they've never done before, and the explanation is that We're doing this so that our firstborn child doesn't die tonight as God comes through the land. And that sacrifice, and the reason he wanted them to do this as a family unit, as a small gathering, is they would understand that there is a one-to-one correspondence. The life of this lamb that I'm eating, it's on my plate, if they had plates back then, for the life of that child. As a parent, your firstborn, maybe your only born at that time, depending upon how many kids you had. For those of you that are younger siblings, think about your older sibling. That lamb that you are eating has taken the place of your older brother or older sister. For those of you that are firstborn, that lamb that you are eating is taking your place. It died that you might live. We just need to kind of sit around that room at night and just think about that. And God wanted that to be a small, intimate celebration so they would grasp the significance of there is a one-to-one sacrifice. You are sacrificing that lamb so that a son does not die. It really is one life for another. And regardless of everything else that was going on that night, regardless that God didn't ask them their opinion on how they should celebrate or on what would be a good time to leave the country or are you ready or are you packed and do you really want to do this celebration year after year after year and that their whole life was fixing to be turned upside down and even if that's a good thing, even if they are delivered from slavery, most people don't like change and God was fixing to change their life dramatically. And of everything else that was going on that night, the Passover centered around the sacrifice. Right? Because in verse 27 or verse 26, when your children say, what does this right mean to you? You shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared our homes. Regardless of everything else, when the kid asks, what are we doing? The focus is on the sacrifice. God saved us because we sacrificed and we were obedient. Again, we fast forward 1,500 years. 
not to the Lord's Supper. We're going to back up three years before that. John the Baptist is walking around. He's got some disciples following him. Jesus shows up and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, probably most people who heard that wouldn't have associated that with the Passover lamb, but probably the lamb on the Day of Atonement. Because that was the lamb, according to Leviticus 16, that took away the sins of the nation or the people of Israel. And John has sort of tweaked that phrase, who takes away the sin of the world. Well, that would catch my attention. As a good Israelite, God only takes away the sins of, of His people, of good Jews on, on the Day of Atonement. And yet, John the Baptist says, here's one that's doing something a little different. So already, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there's a difference. There's something different going on. But three years later, when they're sitting around that same Passover meal, and I'm assuming with blood still on the doorposts and over the lintel of the house, and they're eating that lamb and thinking about God passed over Egypt, but that was 1,500 years ago. What does that do with me today? Jesus re-images that, redefines that, and again, regardless of all the other aspects that were going on, that we've talked about the new family, talk about kingdom stuff, the Lord's Supper focuses on a sacrifice. But that also has a little bit of twist to it, because in the Passover, it's the father sitting there thinking, oh, this lamb is in the place of my son. And in the Lord's Supper, there's a dramatic shift of that. It's my son in place of all these lambs. And we need to allow that to sink in a little bit because that's really different than what happened at the Passover. Right? We took a lamb and that replaced a son and now God the Father has sent His Son in exchange for all of you sheep out there. And Paul, when he talks about Jesus, he describes Him as our Passover lamb. He is the one who has taken our place. And whenever we take the bread and the fruit of the vine, which we will in just a moment, that needs to be a reminder, a personal one-to-one -one reminder, the same thing as that Passover meal when the small family was sitting together. This bread, this flesh, this juice, this blood took my place. Yes, it took the place of all the people sitting around me as well, but it took my place. That's why we take it in our own hands. We do it together because we're our family, but it should remind each one of us this is for me. And so the question is, so what? What does it have to do with me today? Right, I, can, I can grasp the significance. I can maybe sit in their shoes and go, wow, that's pretty amazing, but what about today? So what's interesting is the entire story from beginning to end really is about sacrifice. It all points to Christ, and over and over again in the Old Testament, there are these stories that kind of point to that ultimate sacrifice. From Abraham to Moses to David, there's these, these ideas of, of giving up, of exchange, of God doing for His people what they can't do for themselves. 
And if you and I claim to be a part of that story, yes, God, we want to align ourselves with you. We want to be a part of this story that you're telling to the world. And if the record is fairly clear from beginning to end that that story is about sacrifice, then shouldn't our lives mirror that? And that's the part that sometimes I don't really like because sometimes I don't want to sacrifice. Sometimes I want my way. But if we're part of that story, and we, we are, then our lives should be wrapped up, should be focused, should be the central part of who we are, should be, am I sacrificing for someone else? That my task is not to think about me, but my task is to love others, and biblical love is always sacrificial. Paul would put it this way, consider others more important than yourselves. Well, I don't want to do that sometimes. I want to be important every once in a while. I want my way sometimes. And Paul doesn't really give parameters of when we should do that. He just says we should do that. We should consider others more important than ourselves. So I've got three questions in terms of sacrifice this morning as we begin to think about the resurrection and how we celebrate that. Three questions to help us begin to think through what that looks like for us. Number one, what do I need to sacrifice to draw near to God? We have talked over and over in here about our our need to spend time with Him to develop that relationship because it is a relationship and relationships require time. That's time in His Word or time in prayer, time in fellowship with His people. And there's a million things that can get in the way of that. So I would challenge you this week to think, what do I need to sacrifice to work on that relationship with my Creator, with my Heavenly Father, who loves me enough to send His Son for me. It may be a sin you need to sacrifice, that you need to finally put to death. It could be a habit. It could be something really good that currently is getting in the way of your relationship with God. Maybe something that you waste time on. What do you need to sacrifice to draw closer to God? Number two, what do I need to sacrifice to love others? Again, some of those same things. Sometimes sin gets in the way of loving others. Pride. habit that just takes up time and I don't, I don't have time to be involved in other people's lives because I'm busy. And some of us are busy. Some of us need to be creative and get with other folks and say, how, how can I rearrange my schedule? How can I be creative and think, how can I be involved in other people's lives? One of the ways we're trying to help you do that, uh, the Gray's trying to do that, is to get together at their house the fourth Friday of every month and talk through some of those things and pray together and encourage one another and challenge one another to be involved in people's lives. Are the things that you need to sacrifice to allow yourself to do that. Third, what do I need to sacrifice to help others draw closer to God? And I'm mainly thinking of in the body of Christ, as we talked several weeks back, 
We are responsible to make disciples, every one of us, from the least to the greatest. That's our call. And what do I need to sacrifice to allow me to spend time with other believers, encouraging them, challenging them, helping them grow? Again, are there habits in my life that get in the way? Is it a lack of knowledge? Do I need to sacrifice the fact that I just really don't want to, I don't want to do it? I don't want to grow myself. And then we use that excuse because, well, I don't have anything to offer somebody else. Do we need to sacrifice pride or apathy or unconcern for our brothers and sisters in Christ? And so to help us prepare for the resurrection, to celebrate that in three weeks, we need to renounce what keeps us from loving God and loving other people. We need to renounce those things. You know, this is getting in the way of my relationship with God and others. And I need to put it aside. Now, for some of us, that's a little overwhelming. I've listed all these things. It's like, I can't do all that. Well, no, of course you can't do all that. Which leads us back to where we started. That's why God has always required a sacrifice because we as human beings fail over and over again. That's why we spend time and we remind ourselves of God's sacrifice because we won't do that. The things of the world are more attractive often than God's things. The kingdom that I'm trying to build is often more urgent, more important, more necessary than God's kingdom. I need to be reminded that the only way I'm going to do what God is calling me to do is to depend upon His transforming grace in my life. To rest in Him, to abide in Him. I cannot muster up enough energy. You cannot muster up enough energy or willpower to change. It is only by the transforming power of grace that we get from where we are to where God is calling us to be. And so we celebrate this together as a body, as a reminder, as we look around. He needs that grace as much as I do. She's dependent upon grace just like I am. But also an individual reminder of the creator of all that I see died that I might have life. And God foreshadowed that from early, early on from Abraham and his son Isaac to the Passover to the Day of Atonement. And then ultimately when Jesus gathered his disciples around and he took bread and he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. I'm giving myself to you. And as we take of that, would you allow that to be a reminder that God gave himself for you that you might have life. That you don't have to depend upon yourself. That you've got one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. And here's the amazing part. Here's the part that, that I don't get. According to the power that works in us. It's not this outside force that's sort of trying to change us from the outside. It's in us through His Spirit. 
and will we allow that power that created the universe to well up in us and change us? Will we repent when repentance is necessary? Will we obey when He calls us through the power that He gives us? And my prayer is that this, this reminder would do that for us, would allow us to walk out these doors today and go, through Him I can do all things. And that we would stop depending upon ourselves, but would live abiding in Him. Let me pray for us, and then we will celebrate together. Father, we thank You for Your grace and Your mercy and Your love and Your undying pursuit of us. I thank You for these dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank You for their encouragement and their challenge. Thank You for the witness that they are each and every day in this community. Thank you that you use them as lights that the world might see your glory. God, as we celebrate together, may you use this bread and this fruit of the vine to encourage us and nourish us that we might be your people and that others would know that you indeed are our God. Father, thank you for taking your body and giving it for us. As we take of this small piece of bread, would you remind us that you gave your life for us. And may you receive the honor and the glory for that. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark, would you help me please? body of Christ that's been broken for you.
And Father, we praise you that in your infinite wisdom and at the right time you sent your Son to be a sacrifice. And that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. And we praise you that you saw fit to make an exchange of your son's life for ours. And use this to strengthen and to nourish our souls. And may it be a, a reminder this week of your infinite love for us. It is beyond anything that we can comprehend. Help us through your spirit to understand the depth of what you have done for us. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. The blood of the Lamb just allowed them to be spared. The blood of Christ doesn't just protect you from His wrath. It gives you His righteousness. It really is above and beyond all that we could ask or think. So the blood of Christ which was spilled for you. Father, we do praise you and thank you that you have done beyond all that we could imagine. God, help us this week to rejoice in that, but also to be mindful of what you have called us to do. To be like you, to love others the way you love them, sacrificially. And may we do that in your strength and power. And we ask these things in the name of your precious Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.